Hi, I'm Bob Ekblad. Welcome to my podcast, Disciple. Tonight I want to talk with you about Jesus as the Good Shepherd and how he deputizes his disciples as shepherds in his shepherding movement. And John 10 is the text that we're going to be looking at. This is a scripture that has come alive for me recently. Two weeks ago, I was leading a Bible study with a bunch of guys in a recovery house in Krasnodar, Russia. And I've done that all through 2021. Usually I do it on Tuesday nights at 10 p.m. Or uh, now it's 9 because of daylight savings time. And there it's like 8 in the morning. And so it's their Wednesday morning Bible study. And a lot of these guys have come out of lives of addiction. And many of them, most of them have spent time in prison. Uh, It's just amazing the openness that they have and the discussions that we're able to have despite my inability to speak Russian. You know, I've had interpreters, different interpreters helping me. And um, anyway, two weeks ago, I was trying to connect my friend Larry, who has uh, done a lot of prison time. He's a native guy who's in his 50s, who um, lives way up in a remote area, who he's never downloaded Zoom yet. And so I was on the phone with him prior to this, my, my training or Bible study and finally was able to get him to connect via Zoom. And then I connected in with the guys in Krasnodar, but my interpreter wasn't there. And this was quite difficult because I couldn't speak a word of Russian. None of the Russian guys spoke English. And so it was really funny because I was using my phone, my iPhone, and, you know, um, using Google Translate. And I was translating um, different words. Like I'd say, okay, let's read uh, John chapter 10, verses 1 to 3. And then I'd, I'd text it, you know, I'd type it in and I'd, push the little button that's, that allows the Russian to be, to be spoken. And it was this kind of syrupy Russian uh, robotic voice, syrupy robotic that doesn't seem to go together, but that's how it sounded. And, um, you know, a woman's voice, and I'd have to press it right up against the microphone of my computer. And, um, but they were able to understand it, but it just took so long. And so I was trying to facilitate this Bible study. I'd gotten this message, um, that um, I just noticed that said, oh, my interpreter was in Moscow and wasn't going to be there that week, and someone else was supposed to help, but then they never showed up. And so I was like realizing this was going to not be easy to get away with a Bible study um, with all these technical difficulties. So then I started thinking, okay, um, after about my fourth um, Google Translate attempt, and and the Bible study was just going too slow, and... uh, Larry was wearing um, his Russian fur hat, and the Russian guys were laughing about that. And we were just getting about as far as we could get without speaking Russian. And then I thought, oh, I'll call uh, Mikhail, this uh, flooring guy that lives in Everett, south of me, and maybe he can help. So I called, and he didn't answer. And then I thought, oh, I'll call Andre, the brother of this guy that I know that is in Siberia, who connected me in the first place with this uh, recovery group. And uh, Ilya is uh, a contractor. So I called him and he didn't answer. And then I decided I'd call him again. So I called him again and he answered. And I said, Ilya, I really need your help. Um, Could you translate for me? You know, can you get on Zoom? And I just need like a half an hour of your time. And so he was like, okay. Uh, So I sent him an email. I got his email address, sent him the Zoom link. And fairly quickly, he was able to get on, and there we were, uh, on our road to some of these um, revelations. So we read, Truly, truly, I say to you, 
the one who does not enter by the door into the fold of the sheep, but climbs in, um, climbs up by some other way. That one is a thief and a robber. Uh, but the one who enters by the door is a shepherd of the sheep. So I was thinking about these guys, um, and I suspected that a lot of them had been probably broken into in, in their places, but I kind of suspected that maybe some of them had also been um, involved in robberies. So I, I said, do any of you know of anybody that's uh, broken into a house, that's climbed into a house by another way other than the front door? And all the hands shot up in the air uh, once it was translated into Russian. And Larry said, oh yeah, me too. And they were all sort of chuckling. And I was like, okay, so what does it mean uh, for someone to enter by the front door? Why might that be important? And suddenly it just became um, really, this revelation came that um, the one who comes to the front door is, is really someone who's just straight up, you know, coming to you the way they are. And um, if they're knocking on the door, then you have the opportunity to open to them or to keep them out, don't you? And so we were just talking about how maybe this is like how Jesus is. He doesn't like break in and uh, force his way in and, you know, come into our place, um, wherever we are, into our lives. He, you know, he just approaches us and he comes, you know, face to face with us in a certain way. And we can, we can look at him, we can get to know him, we can decide whether we want to let him in or not. Anyway, I don't know if that's the best interpretation of this text, but it worked and it caught their attention and mine as well. So it goes on to him, that is the shepherd of the sheep who comes to the door. The doorkeeper opens and the sheep hear his voice and he calls his own sheep by name and he leads them out. And when he puts forth all his own, he goes ahead of them and the sheep follow him because they know his voice. A stranger, they simply will not follow but will flee from him because they do not know the voice of strangers. Now, a lot of the people that we, we read with, um, people like these guys who have, um, you know, have been, you know, had lives full of, of addiction and have been involved in all kinds of crimes. And, you know, they're people that are really marginalized and they've been around religion, but they've always assumed that, that they're excluded, that they're not qualified, that there's no hope for them. And, um, and they're very suspicious, and they're not going to just follow anybody who claims to represent God. They're, uh, they're going to be wary. They're, they are wary of anybody who is pastoral, you know, who's priestly. They're going to assume that those people are going to be condemners, you know, judges. That's just the viewpoint that most have, most people have. And so um, if these people are like strangers um, in a way to them, they're not going to follow the voice. But someone that really comes and and presents himself and who, you know, comes in humility like this one who comes to the door, like Jesus, um, who is the, the good shepherd and um, of the sheep. This text suggests that they're going to understand, they're going to hear the voice, um, you know, they're going to recognize the voice and follow him. And so it has a very high view of the sheep that they will follow the one who's the true good shepherd. And, um, and so that's suggestive that if we're following Jesus as disciples and we're really uh, leaning in and learning from him and being his students of him and seeking to welcome him into our lives and to be identified with him, that 
Maybe they'll listen to our to Jesus's voice mediated through us, through our voices. Jesus goes on um, to, in the second part of this parable. So Jesus said to them again, "Truly, truly, I say to you." And that really means something, you know. When Jesus says, "For sure, for sure, truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep." Now here it's he's switching metaphors. He's not just the one who comes to the door. Now he's the door itself. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. And he's likely referring to the Pharisees and the scribes that he has a lot of conflict with in John's gospel. And uh, But anyone who's a pretender shepherd would qualify, I suppose. I am the door. If anyone enters through me, that one will be saved. Okay, so that's appealing. Like, if I need, know I need to be saved, then... Um, if I know that I am in trouble and I need a liberator, I need a savior, I need, um, I need Jesus, uh, if he's there to save me, then I'm going to want to go through that door. And what's interesting, though, is it's not about coming under control. It's not about someone wanting me to go in a door and then he's going to shut the door and confine me like in a prison or um, under some kind of a constricting um, legalistic system. And um, this idea of a sheepfold, there's a notion in Judaism of the Torah being like, um, you know, like a wall that fences in um, the people of God. And um, some of the Pharisees and scribes, their tendency was to use it as something that would control people through all kinds of rules and regulations and laws. And what's interesting about this is Jesus says, I am the door if anyone enters through me. He'll be saved and will go in and out and find pastures. So it's not like they're just going to come in and stay in. They're going to be able to go in, out. So there's freedom with this uh, shepherd, Jesus. And I think this is really important for us who want to be deputized as shepherds of Jesus as well. You know, Jesus was about um, really a shepherding movement. And... Um, I want to just refer now to Jeremiah 23, just to show you that just how strong this notion is of uh, God himself being about um, caring for these sheep. He goes um, right here, Jeremiah 23, 1, Woe to the shepherds who are destroying and scattering the sheep of my pasture, declares the Lord. Therefore, thus says the Lord God of Israel concerning the shepherds who are tending my people. You have scattered my flock and driven them away and have not have attended to them. That's why they're going to be, be afraid, aren't they? If that's been the experience. Behold, I am about to attend to you for the evil of your deeds, declares the Lord. Then I myself will gather the remnant of my flock out of all the countries where I've driven them and bring them back to their pasture. And they will multiply. They will be fruitful and multiply. I will also, now check this out, I will also raise up shepherds over them and they will tend them, and they will not be afraid any longer, nor be terrified, nor will any be missing, declares the Lord. And um, behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will raise up for David a righteous branch, and he will reign as king and act wisely and do justice and righteousness in the land. In, this, in his days, Judah will be saved and Israel will dwell securely. And this is his name by which he will be called. The Lord, our righteousness. And um, anyway, so this idea that 
this picture of Jesus, um, who is the messianic king, who's being prophesied here in Jeremiah, uh, being God in the flesh who comes to uh, raise up shepherds, you know, who will tend the sheep, you know, shepherding movement, you know. Um, I will also raise up shepherds over them and they will tend them. And then the people will be afraid no longer or be terrified, nor will any be missing. Check that out because these are shepherds that go after the lost sheep. So there's not going to be any that are missing. Isn't that amazing? It's so beautiful. I just love that text. So, um, so Jesus goes on and he says, um, I am the door. If anyone enters through me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. Okay, that's verse 9. The thief, in contrast, comes only to steal and to kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. So this is something we need to learn about, right? Is how it is that Jesus, the one who deputizes us, you know, Jesus, the good shepherd, par excellence, who deputizes us as shepherds, who's about raising up this shepherding movement, how he did come to that people would have life and have it abundantly. That's what we want to be about, you guys, right? Is is really promoting abundant life, experiencing it ourselves, you know, benefiting from it as sheep of, of Jesus's uh, flock, but also um, then passing it forward. Verse 11, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who is not the owner of the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he's a hired hand and is not concerned about the sheep. Okay, so here Jesus is critiquing people that are maybe shepherds, but they're not really doing it completely as a vocation. They're not doing it from the heart as uh, deputized shepherds of Jesus, but they're maybe doing it as a vocation, as a job. And um, and this, actually, this reality of, of paid clergy, you know, priests, pastors, and ministry workers, you know, I, I believe that it's important. But the danger of it is that that can, you know, cause other people to be disempowered, other people who are also disciples of Jesus, who are not being paid to think, okay, well, it's not my job. This isn't my vocation. I'm not a pastor. I'm not a working for a nonprofit. I'm not a ministry worker. I'm not a chaplain. I'm not a priest. So uh, that's their job, and um, it's not my job. But that's not here. Jesus is critiquing that idea of just being hired, and um, but he's not saying that it's bad to do this for a living. He's just saying those that are just doing it for a living, just doing it for the money. Um, when they see the wolf coming, they're going to leave the sheep and flee, you know, because they're just hired hands and they're not concerned about the sheep. Now, that's not, again, that's not saying at all that all people that are being paid to do ministry are are going to run away and abandon the sheep when they're at their hour of difficulty, right? It's just saying that this is a reality. And um, Jesus models an approach that is true for full-time clergy and workers in ministries, but also for anyone who calls himself a disciple of Jesus. So this goes for all of us. I am the good shepherd, and I know my own, and my own know me. So he's talking about um, being a shepherd who knows people personally. Okay, And even as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, I lay down my life for the sheep. 
Jesus goes, um, talks about this. I lay down my life for my sheep. Um, he goes on. Um, I'm just going to read all the way down to 19, 18, and then we're going to look at a few other texts that um, I think illustrate this movement idea that all of us are called into this. Um, Even as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep, I have other sheep which are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will hear my voice, and they will become one flock with one shepherd. For this reason, the Father loves me, because I lay down my life so that I may take it again. No one has taken it from me, but I lay it down on my own initiative. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This commandment I received from my Father. Okay, so how does this apply to us? This looks like it's just talking about Jesus, you know, being the one and only shepherd. And he is the one and only Savior of the world. You know, I can't pretend to be a Savior, and I don't believe any human being can function as a Savior. You know, there's only one, and that's Jesus, the Son of God, the Lamb of God who lays down his life, you know, completely for the sheep on the cross and saves us. However, I believe that this is also talking about something that we're all invited into. You know, Jesus um, doesn't want us to be like hired hands who just flee. He would like us to be like him, um, completely willing to uh, lay down our lives in contrast to the hired hand. And he um, he states this clearly in other places, like, um, you know, Peter at one point says, Lord, I will lay down my life for you. Okay, well, Jesus is a realist about what's going to happen. And says, will you lay down your life for me? You know, and then tells him, uh, prophesies his betrayal, his denying of Jesus. But then he goes on in chapter 15, verse 13, greater love has no one than this, that one lay down his life for his friends. Okay, so he's not just talking about himself, but is talking about that in a broader way that can include you and me laying our lives down. And this is talking about Laying down your life literally means um, placing your soul, you know, placing it down, putting it down. You know, it's the word life is uh, psyche. So it's um, the idea of our, of our psyche, you know, our mind, will, and our emotions. It's, it's, a, it's a, you know, synonym for life, but it's talking about putting down our lives, you know, giving, giving our lives up for our friends. So it might mean, that might mean like, you know, really going the extra mile to walk alongside someone who's struggling or visiting someone in the hospital, you know, and, and, and getting, your, getting all exhausted in your work on behalf of other people. It's like making sacrifices for other people, right? Um, the other day I had a great experience where I witnessed this firsthand. Gracie and I, um, we were called on by this group in the Isle of Mauritius, um, these Presbyterian leaders of um, from the island of Mauritius, which is, you know, which is east of, um, you know, of Madagascar, way down sort of between South Africa and Australia, out in the Indian Ocean, and we've already given um, three twelve-hour um, trainings via Zoom to this group, and they're just a delight to work with. And so last week we were doing um, one of these twelve-hour sessions. So we were doing from 8.30 to 11.30 at night, um, Monday through Thursday, 
just doing trainings of our certificate in transformational ministry at the margins. And suddenly I just realized, oh my goodness, like I've got my Russian group. How am I going to find someone to uh, take my place? I had the interpreter all lined up, but I'd just completely forgotten that, that it was going to be at the same time. So I thought, oh, who can I call on? I need people to, you know, to do what, what I would normally do. And so I thought, oh, what about Jean Pascal? He's a Swiss guy who's a Swiss um, ministry worker, pastor in um, French-speaking part of Switzerland. And so I WhatsApped him or I texted him or something and said, hey, um, Jean Pascal, can I, can I talk with you? Are you free? Or I'm wondering whether you might be available to lead this Bible study to all these Russian recovery guys. He does Bible studies with the homeless and his ministry is all focused on people outside the church. And he was like, well, um, let's see what time is it? And we figured it was going to be from 6 a.m. to 7 a.m. on um, his Wednesday morning. So, because they're two hours earlier in contrast to us who are like 10 hours or 11 hours earlier. Um, and so he was like, well, it, could it be from 6.30 to 7.30? And I was like, that that worked. So it all worked beautifully. And then he wrote me on top of that and said, yeah, I spent two years studying Russian. And then the interpreter, um, I found out from her that that she speaks French and understands French better than she does English. And so it would, it would be even easier for her to interpret for this guy. So while we were doing our... Um, you know, our trainings with these people from Mauritius. Um, here was John Pascal, who uh, just had a fantastic Bible study with the Russian guys. And he went out of his way. He did this from 6.30 to 7.30 in the morning. You know, that's an example of, of laying down your life, right? Laying down your soul on behalf of people. And all of us are invited to be about, um, you know, love. Like First um, John chapter 3, verse 16. We know love by this, that he laid down his life for us, right? That's Jesus. And we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers and sisters. So there you go. See, First John um, makes the connection that, that I'm seeing here explicitly. So um, Jesus here is modeling something that all of us are called to do, to be willing to lay down our lives, you know, our souls, our Give our time, you know, give of our um, of our energies for the sheep. Jesus says, I have authority to lay it down and I have authority to take it up. Does that apply to us too? You know, last week we were looking at Matthew 10, how Jesus gave the 12 disciples authority, you know, over unclean spirits and to heal every kind of disease and every kind of infirmity. And then um, in a previous session, we looked at Matthew 28, how Jesus said, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. So as you go, make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. So, so Jesus gives us authority. So if we have the authority, then can we also say, I have the authority to lay it down, that is my life, and I have the authority to take it up again? In other words, is this saying that when it comes to us um, caring for the sheep and being part of Jesus's shepherding ministry, we don't have to wait for someone to send us. We don't have to wait to hear um, from God specifically, explicitly. We don't have to, um, you know, be sent by our church. 
Um, we have the authority. You have the authority. I have the authority. I can choose um, out of my own free will to lay down my life for my friends, you know, for the sheep, you know, to choose to, you know, give out in a way that would bless people that would be in keeping with what I choose to do, or I have the authority to do it or to not to do it, right? This commandment I received from the Father. So I wonder tonight whether you're, you're hearing that commandment from the Father as an invitation to be about Jesus's shepherding ministry, you know, the way Jesus um, was about it. And um, let's pray. Jesus, thank you that you model what it looks like to be the good shepherd and um, who goes right to where people are, you know, seeking them. You go, you go door to door in this case. You, you come to the door. You are the door. And thank you that you not only come to the door seeking us and just coming straight up the way you are um, presenting yourself and giving us, you know, the freedom to welcome you in or to not, but as the door, you um, invite us to enter in and to be saved and and to come in and to go out. And um, you offer us that kind of freedom. And thank you, um, Father, that you also give us this commandment that allows us to have the authority to engage in laying down our lives the way Jesus did. And I pray that you would empower us to be able to do that and that you would fill us with your Holy Spirit and inspire us and help us to be able to step into this shepherding ministry freely and with joy. In Jesus' name, amen.